0: This is The Daily Signal podcast for Monday, October 22nd. I'm Jenny Maltabano,
1: And I'm Rob Luey, Editor-in-Chief.
0: On today's show, we'll feature an interview with Eric Bolling, host of CRTV show America.
1: We'll share our listeners' letters and some of Jenny's interviews at President Trump's recent rally in Ohio.
0: Eric Bolling, thanks for joining The Daily Signal. You're a man of many talents. You're a former baseball player, commodities trader, TV host, in many ways, you're an example of the American dream. Tell our listeners what drives you.
2: I think that's it. I, I came from a very, very lower class, um, not even lower middle, it was lower class, humble beginnings in Chicago, in the city, and uh, it was tough. I remember, uh, and I, I remember a day where my mom, I was, couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old, we went to a place called Valueville in Chicago, which is like a little like mini department store, kind of Kmart before Kmart and she's like let's go get some sneakers and I went and I got Pro Keds and I'll never forget the look on her face um, when she told me we couldn't afford the Pro Keds and that was like my first exposure to wow you know the classes like we didn't have what other people had because all my friends had Pro Keds and I think that was really the beginning of just a a drive to want to succeed and uh, it's kind of stayed with me from that day forward so I just um, went from baseball which I would never have been able to afford college if it wasn't for baseball, baseball, to to trade my trading career. And then now into TV. So it's and then I wrote a couple of books on the way. So it's it's um it's a drive that started very young. That's what motivates me to, to continue.
1: Eric, you launched your show on CRTV on July 4th of this
2: year. It's called America. Tell us how it's going in the past few yeah. months. By the way, we launched it on the rooftop at Heritage. That's right. And it's been amazing. So we're four months and a week into it, and it's just doing great. I mean, just the pe- people are loving it. What we what we do is it's almost like the Parts Unknown, that Anthony Bourdain-type show for politics in D.C. So we're going into congresspeople's, congressmen and women, and senators' offices. We'll go and just talk to them about the topics of the day. We'll go on the Supreme Court in when, when Kavanaugh. I would spend time in the middle of all the protests. So I go around DC with whatever the topic of the day is and just talk to people about what's happening. And also mixing in Trump administration officials to get their side of the story. It's really been kind of fascinating to see. And it's a a new education for me too because it's a digital show and it's completely, you program it completely differently than you do with a cable news show. In cable news you have your captive audience. They pay for cable and all you're trying to do is get someone from another channel to come over and watch your show. In digital, you literally have to get out there and show something different, new, and and show value to get people to subscribe and come sign on to the show. So it's a new world, but it's it's a lot of fun. And how do they subscribe if they want to Well, it's CRTV.com slash Eric. Thank you. Excellent. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) We're friends forever now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eric, House, um, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that if Democrats take control back of the House, they're going to pursue campaign finance reform, gun background checks, protect dreamers, essentially restrictions on the First and Second Amendment. And amnesty, is this what the American people really want? I
2: I don't know what the American people really want. I know conservative Americans don't want that. But, boy, you hear her. Mm -hmm. I saw I read those 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 comments. I mean. It, it, it's literally almost this whole socialism narrative is exploding and it and, and as I said in, in the in the, the remarks earlier inside where what happened in the last 10 years where when I 10 15 years when I first came into the media socialism was a, was a bad word it was awful I mean I remember saying Obama's a socialist and I got called to the office saying be careful you know be careful what you say that's pretty pretty rough language now democrats are running as democrat socialists i don't know how we've made such a fast move maybe people just like free stuff and they they're 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 not concerned they don't they don't you know and it's possible that we've spent 10 or 15 or 20 years with decent or pretty good economies where younger people are saying well you know what could possibly how bad could it possibly be it could never have been as bad as it was meanwhile i lived through the the First crash in, in 1989, I lived through the, the 2005 financial crisis that almost wiped us out completely, the, the global financial market. So I, I, I see where, where younger people are saying, hey, maybe this is the place to go, I can get free stuff. But um, I, I think there's an opportunity to kind of show them that it's not always going to be this way, there are risks to, to giving away everything. And one day you're going to have to pay taxes and pay for all that stuff anyway. So someone's going to have to have to pay. So there's, there's an opportunity to pick up Republican conservative young people. Well, I'm glad you raised that
1: issue. We talked to Betsy DeVos here at The Daily Signal and asked her why it is, as an education secretary, what she's observing and why young people are gravitating towards socialism. She said it's because they're really not getting that basic foundational education about civics and government, K-12. And then when they go to college... They're they're not able to debate with these professors who are obviously coming from a socialist perspective. Are there other factors that you've seen in your own work uh, as to why both young people and Democrats are moving in this direction? I
2: don't know if they totally are. I think on the coast they are. And I think they tend to be the the more high-profile candidates and or elected officials. Uh, I think the general, like it it said, when you travel the middle part of the country, even the, the south, the west, central, it's not like that it's still it's still center-right and they're still pro-trump and they're still t- generally conservative it's just that there are pockets of populations on the coast that are, that that lean far left they're just liberals slash socialists that, that they're looking for it so um i just talked to a gentleman inside i said Do you know oklahoma the reddest state in the union i said well yeah there's a lot of red states he said well we were the only state that had not one county that voted for Hillary Clinton. They're all pro they were all Trump voters. They all went Trump. So when you look at Middle America, if you look at the that, 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 that county map where the red versus blue in the counties, it's crazy. It's like 90% of the counties or 80 what 80-something percent of counties voted pro-Trump, voted Trump, not Hillary. So, you know, look, the system is set up that it's population driven, I get it, but that's what, what what happens is the the media centers are on the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, and those are the ones that are getting the most attention they're all liberal
0: from your recent travels from your show which issues would you say are conservatives most fired up about right now
2: the base conservatives mm-hmm. the wall i mean I'll, I'll i'll go to events it's it's the it's the wall um i think i i honestly think they're not fired up enough about the about the midterm elections i think they they, uh, they are more fired up than they would have been if Brett Kavanaugh didn't get seated. So that I think they'll show up. I, I, like I said inside, I think the Senate may pick up one or two Senate seats, mm-hmm. which contrary to what the liberal media will tell you that, you know, they're gonna go, it's gonna be Democrats picking up seats. I doubt it, I think it's, it's Republicans. Um, but I also think the Republicans hold the house too. And it's, but, but you know, there needs to be more, a little bit more uh, em- energy, you know, let's get out there.
1: Well, certainly the economy is doing very well, and that could fuel some, some people who like the Trump administration's policies. What do you attribute the success to that we've seen in the last two I years? i got to tell
2: you, the, the first thing Trump did when he got into office, I think he was sworn in on a Saturday, maybe? By Sunday or Friday or Saturday. I can't remember That's what right. day it was. Yeah. And then by, by the weekend, he was already rolling back regulation. I'm literally like starting to roll back regulation after regulation. That frees up the business community. There is—I can't emphasize enough how businesses, boardrooms, and I've been on the board of directors of the New York Mercantile Exchange. I spent five years on there, and you have a, a business outlook going forward—a year, a five-year, and a ten-year plan. And when it when the when the environment is is so uh, regulatory, you know, just regulatory, overblown, strangling your business. You don't plan too far ahead. You don't hire as many people as you, you look to hire or spend money on your own business. But when, when those regulations come down where you're feeling a little bit better about being able to, to expand into a new area of, do, of business or you spend more money on research and development, on capital investment in your own company, and then finally hiring, and that all works its way into the system on unemployment. When people are employed, they spend more. That's just that's just the, the way it is. So you have an economy that unemployment is falling, it's more spending and what that does is it raises GDP. So like I said earlier, when was the last time we had GDP exceeding um, the unemployment rate by this much and for this long? Let's not forget, three years ago, Obama said 1.5% GDP was gonna be the new norm. The new norm. Now we're in in excess of 4%, uh, in excess of 3% for several quarters. It wasn't the new norm, it was just him explaining why he was 1.5% for eight years
0: you mentioned brett kavanaugh earlier and i wanted to ask you what do you think the lasting impact of that entire ordeal will be
2: Uh, uh, a supreme court that's conservative for 30 years 20 30 years plus and i think the kavanaugh issue goes it becomes boring. I mean, the liberals will look, at the ne- look for the next thing to, to, to complain about. If you remember, you know, it was Russia collusion. And all of a sudden, Kavanaugh get everyone's attention, you know, and then that went away. So it's, pretty soon it's going to be back to Russian collusion. They'll all forget about Kavanaugh and until the first major, major, you know, line in the sand conservative liberal decision at the Supreme Court. And then they'll say, oh, it, it, it should be thrown out because of his, because of what, you know, what, what's going on, the nonsense that's going on over the last couple of months. Eric Gallup has a new poll out. It shows trust in media among Republicans
1: is just 21%. Contrast that with Democrats, where it's 76%
2: of Democrats trust the media. What does this tell us about the state of our media in this country? That Trump is right, that the media is wildly biased towards the left, on the left and against Donald Trump. I mean, There's no question about it, you saw this Harvard studies about how much uh, negative uh, attention negative stories about trump versus positive is like 80%. And how many people in media donate to democratic causes versus republicans is 80 90%. so the media clearly is left of course republicans aren't going to trust them there's they're generally they they're, they're they're liberal. there there are very very few conservatives and probably fewer um, fair down the middle uh, media types. even the news people who are supposed to be straight down the middle aren't. They, they pick a side, but generally the, the the sway is that far.
0: I wanted to ask you next: What do you think has happened to the Never Trump Republicans? President Trump has had so many wins. Do you think any of them have been swayed at all?
2: I think Never Trumpers are on, on a on a slow, a slow path to destruction. Um, with the well, so so when Trump came in, I thought the, and they were the Never Trumpers were more dangerous than the liberals. You knew where you know where the left was on Trump, but the. The Never Trump crew was, was undermining and awful. When you had a Republican taking shots and, and undermining the Trump agenda, it was awful, terrible. And so I talked about, like, for example, John McCain, Jeff Flake, and Lindsey Graham, Ben Sass, among others, were two, probably four of the most vocal Never Trump or Republican senators. Um, I talked about running against Lindsey Graham. I was going to primary, I bought a house in South Carolina to primary Lindsey Graham. Um, and I was going to do it up until it's Kavanaugh hearings. And he found his voice. Now, did he find his voice after McCain passed? Perhaps. Um, maybe he just didn't have the had it in him to, to, to have that voice when, when John McCain, his very, very good friend, was here to, to you know, to, to keep an eye on him. Um, but I think slowly, and I saw Ben Sasse this morning on, on MSNBC, and he was kind of even almost, almost pro-Trump. Not quite pro-Trump, but, but, you know, not taking shots at the president anymore. These are people who are really detrimental, hurtful to the president and, and his candidate, his presidency and his agenda, and now seem to be realizing that, hey, how do you argue with 4 plus percent GDP and under 4 um, percent unemployment? You don't. Don't go back to your districts or your states and try and run against that. You're, you'd be, it's political suicide. So I think the Never Trump uh, portion of the swamp is draining itself. Ginny mentioned earlier your many talents. Is politician in the future then? I don't think it was. It was very close. Like, if, if, if like I said, um, I'm very serious. I bought the house with the express uh, purpose of running in 2020, in Lindsey Graham, until he was so vocal and so uh, influential in making sure Brett Kavanaugh got seated. I, I, that was, you know, during the during the campaign uh, for presidency, I would continually implore people, conservatives, to vote for Trump who can't, couldn't stand him, just vote for him because you needed a, a conservative Supreme Court. It will outlast the Trump legacy by decades. Um, and, and that came, that was really, the Supreme Court was the most important thing for me. Trump's my friend, I thought he would be a good businessman and I thought the economy would do well, but for me the, the most important reason to vote for Trump was the Supreme Court. He was the only one who was gonna beat Hillary and we needed conservatives on the Supreme Court. So when Lindsey Graham stood, stepped up, and put it out there, put it all online. I was like, you know, maybe I won't. But he is not the most loved senator in the, in, in, in the union. I mean, the, you, you travel South Carolina, they don't really love him that much. I think he, he re-earned his, his political, his, his conservative credentials uh, in the in the Kavanaugh hearing. So I decided to, to let's do something else.
0: Congress recently passed a bipartisan opioids bill, and I know it's a clo- um, it's mm-hmm. an issue that's very close to your heart following your son's death. Do you think that we're making progress on this issue?
2: We are. Um, not enough, but we are. Uh, so we, I think we've made a lot of progress, and I think Trump wants to do a lot of interesting things on the enforcement side, um, you know, with, with the drug dealers, closing closing the border to, to illegal drugs coming across, doing some. Kirsten Nielsen at, um, Homeland Security is doing some things with the postal service to catch opioids as they come and other drugs as they come. So the enforcement side is doing real well. I, I, I'm very vocal about saying the administration needs some help on the, on the awareness side. So young people need to realize how dangerous drugs are. My son passed from a, a, an accidental overdose of a, there was illegal fentanyl in a, in a, in a Xanax tablet that he bought on campus. So I, I think people need, young people need to understand how dangerous they are. And we need more of that. We need more, you know, PSA is on television. We need more people talking about it, and parents need to understand that it's a conversation you have to have. Really, we need to remove the stigma of opioids. Like people think uh, heroin and they think, you know, needles and veins and, and dark alleys. It's not that anymore. It's literally tablets on the street that are five dollars or ten dollars that high schoolers are buying to get high. Instead of it's cheaper than marijuana or cocaine, and some of it's bad. It's some of it's deadly. I mean, seventy-four thousand people died last year, and the numbers going up. Not down. So there needs to be more, um, yeah, enforcement, but more, much more awareness. Well, we appreciate
1: the work that you're doing to help raise some of that awareness. I know you've appeared in some of those White House videos to help raise awareness about the issue. So thank you, Eric. Yeah. We we well, truly do appreciate not that. Not easy.
2: Uh, it's not these these questions are hard, but they're they they need to be spoken about need to be answered. So we'll continue that that path as well.
0: Eric, thank you so much for joining us again at the Daily Jenny, Signal. Thank
2: you, guys. Thank you, guys, both so much. Appreciate it. anytime by the way.
0: Thank you. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down
2: the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court.
1: Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature some of our favorites both on this show and in our Morning Bell email newsletter. Ginny, what do we have this week?
0: Well, first up, Burt Chapman says, Sorry to see Ambassador Nikki Haley leave the United Nations, as Fred Lucas reports. She has done a terrific job advancing U.S. values and interests at the U.N. and has a sky's the limit future. I can understand her wanting to spend more time with her family and relax after several years in the public limelight. She would be an awesome... Awesome president if that opportunity presents itself wouldn't it be wonderful to see leftist how if she becomes the first female president
1: well it certainly would, Jenny and we have another letter from Erica Fry who writes I don't think I can go see Gosnell, but I applaud Anne McElhaney for making the movie starring Dean Kane and Michael Beach this story needs to be seen and exposed This is the reason for all of the state laws requiring abortion clinics to be sanitary and abortion doctors to have admitting privileges at a hospital. We want these children to have loving parents and a good education and to make something of themselves, not be destroyed by Margaret Sanger's ideological minions before they have that chance.
0: Your letter could be featured on next week's show. Send an email to letters at dailysignal.com or leave a voicemail message at 202-608-6205.
1: I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal.
0: And I'm Ginny Maltabano. Each weekday, The Daily Signal delivers the Morning Bell email direct to your inbox.
1: We created The Morning Bell to be your one-stop source for credible news reporting and insightful commentary on the issues that are shaping the agenda.
0: You can subscribe today and get it delivered to your inbox each weekday morning. Sign up now at DailySignal.com. Just click on the Connect button at the top of the page and subscribe today.
1: Our Daily Signal team loves getting out of Washington, and we recently traveled to Ohio for one of President Trump's rallies. Ginny, you were there. Tell us about your experience.
0: It was a great experience. I went with our digital specialist, Morgan Walker, and we talked to these average, ordinary Americans who were at this rally about what's important to them, what do they think about the media, and what has President Trump done for them that's most important. And they had some really, really interesting answers. And
1: we want to play some of those clips for you right now.
0: What is your favorite thing that President Trump has done so far as president?
1: I like that he doesn't back down. He just he just keeps going, keeps going, and just goes right back at him. So I think he's doing great. The tax cuts are awesome. The uh, moving an embassy to uh, Jerusalem, love that pipeline. All the pipelines that he's approving. I mean, I don't know that he could be doing any better. Um, Probably. I think the way that he has um,
0: the way he's bringing all the jobs back. You know, that's the main thing.
1: Uh, The economy unemployment 3.2 percent. it's pretty phenomenal
0: um honestly uh, his sense of humor because and and you know i mean it's funny because they show that as a negative but for us the people that have taken the time to really pay attention and get to know him that is his sense of humor that is that is what we love the most i think about him that's that's him making light of what's going, what's really going on.
2: Well, I like having conservative judges on the Supreme Court. Uh, I like him keeping his word about things he's going to do, you know, like he you know, put the uh, embassy in Jerusalem and he said he'd do it. All other presidents said they would do it and never did it.
1: Um, for me, I like how he um, shows his faith. Um, I haven't seen that in, in a leader. In, in a very long time, but I love how he um, shows his faith and, and his love for God and, and his love for country. Tax tariffs. I think that's great. He's redone NAF- uh, NAFTA. He's done a wonderful job. And truthfully, what he's doing with the tax tariffs, he's going to bring more jobs back to the United States.
0: Amen with that one.
1: Hi, this is Rob Louie, editor-in-chief of The Daily Signal. If you liked hearing about the issues that Washington's not discussing, check out Underreported, a brand new video series from The Daily Signal looking at other issues that the mainstream media forgot to mention.
0: We're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast is available on the Ricochet Audio Network, along with Problematic Women and The Right Side of History. All of our shows can be found at DailySignal.com slash podcasts.
1: You can also subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review or give us feedback.
0: Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News.
1: The Daily Signal podcast will be back tomorrow.
0: Have a great week.